Hey, thanks for checking out Deliberate Dating. I'm your host, Aramis, and I'll be chatting at you weekly with new guests. Sometimes it'll be a friend, maybe I'll be speaking with a family member, maybe it'll be somebody I don't really know that well. In any event, we'll get together and we'll discuss all things dating. I hope you get as much of a kick out of this week's episode as I did. Ready to dive right on in? Yeah, sure. Go ahead and introduce yourself. Yeah, sure. Okay, so I'm Henry. Um, I'm from Syracuse. I'm a musician. Uh, I play in. I play the piano. I play in jazz bands. Um, I started out playing jazz, but I do all kinds of stuff. Really, I play in jam bands and rock bands. And I mean, not now. Things are on hold now. Right. Right. But um, and I teach some piano lessons too. And yeah, my story is about uh, a woman I dated who's a lovely person, uh, still is, we're still friends, but um, I found out uh, a few months into the relationship that she had a serious uh, problem with addiction and it escalated and uh, kind of got really bad. Before we dive into that, how, how are you holding up during this pandemic? Oh, uh, well, the, the drinks help. You know, I've got some bourbon right here. <laughs> they sure and, do. Uh, but, they um, sure do. I think I'm holding up under the circumstances pretty well. Yeah. I think it's a challenge for everyone's mental health, you know? I mean, it's, it's hard to not be kind of depressed. Yeah. And yeah, especially in my industry, because, you know, I play in bands, I play in bars and restaurants and bars and restaurants are taking a, such a hit. Yeah. You know, maybe more than anybody. And um, so none of my work has really come back in at all. Right. It, you know, it's a very unfortunate situation for all of us outside of, outside of work. I mean, we're all just going through really scary and um you know unexpected and confusing and surprising times so it's you know then that trickles down into work and personal life and all this other stuff are you dating have you been are you seeing anyone right now no i'm not have you tried dating at all during this mess uh no not so much Um, how do you usually meet people well um you know when i was playing you know it was you're well, I was always in bars and restaurants and uh but believe it or not that that's actually hard to people it's hard to meet people that way sometimes but I you know over the years I've met women that way um I was on a few dating sites uh um that kind of thing and just you know friends of friends and yeah people in your circle right I I, I know people who are like dating um they met people at the start of this and they're they're seeing them and I, people who are trying to date now I'm on a dating app and it's it's first of all it's always been odd for me to just be on the apps and trying to yeah. meet people that way but this is this is some added mess um to it all so it's been an interesting experience but whatever it is what it is right and we'll see how long this takes place um so how did you meet your ex-girlfriends the one that we're we're going to be chatting about today well um it was it was a little unconventional. It was a little weird, you know. Uh, it was a, like a dating ad, mm-hmm. uh, uh, but honestly, she was. Uh, I don't want you to take this the wrong way. Uh, she was. Uh, it was almost like she was kind of looking for like a sugar daddy in a way. Uh-huh. But, but I was never really that at all. Yeah. We became friends, and in her ad, that wasn't so explicit in the ad. It was, you know. Um, so, uh, but yeah, I met her through a, a, a dating ad, and uh, yeah, I mean, she so she was really a. a wonderful person still is like I said we're still friends yeah um but it was weird you know when I met her she was sort of in transition she had lived in Florida and she's originally from central New York just a little north of where I am yeah 
uh, yeah, she had been in Florida and then she had recently come back and she was sort of like just bouncing around and she stayed with her parents sometimes, but she was just kind of like bouncing around a little bit uh, between friends, houses. So yeah. I thought that was interesting, but it was intriguing too. I thought, you know, I've got to know more, you know, I mean, it was like this mystery from the beginning. And uh, what, what, what was it about the ad that intrigued you? And where was the place? Was this an online ad? Was this in a newspaper? Like, how did you, where was this ad? No, it was like a, uh, you know, it was, uh, I can't remember what site it was. It might have been, um, what's the one, not, not Plenty of Fish, uh, okay, sorry, it, it was, I think, okay, Cupid. Oh, okay, so it's okay. Is, is that one? It's been, so it's been four years. I can't remember. I was on a few. <laughs> yeah, it's but okay. okay. Cupid, yeah, okay, Cupid is one of those sites, right? Right. So what was it about her okay, Cupid profile that enticed you? Well, I mean, she had a picture. She had some text, you know, and then I, I liked the picture. I, we started uh, corresponding. We exchanged phone numbers. Yeah. And text, we started texting and talking on the phone. And she was just really uh, a genuine, I got a really genuine vibe. Like, you, you know, from being on those things, and I think we all do that. I mean, a lot of it is, you know, you have to sort of sift through all this. Maybe 90% of it is, I mean, fake profiles and people right. who were, you know, I don't know what their deal was, but she was a really genuine person. We start, like I said, we started texting, we started talking, and she was great. And then I wound up meeting her and, uh, um, I just thought she was a real gem, you know, a really, really great person. I mean, it sounds corny to say that, but I mean, really, it, she was really good looking. So. No, I don't. <laughs> well, that's always a plus, right? Um, I don't think that's corny at all to be considered a gem. I'd like to be considered a gem. Um, so you, you mentioned. No, thank you. I'll take that compliment. Thank you, Henry. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned that she was looking for like a maybe like sugar daddy situation. Was she? Is she younger than you? Yeah, she's she's quite a bit younger. Um, okay, about fifteen years younger. So, and that it. was part of the that, that was part of the attraction too. Yeah, um, and, I'm, and if you don't mind sharing, how old are you? I'm forty seven now. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Um, and you said that was a part of the attraction too. Why? Why was that? Well, I mean, at the time, um, well, I mean, every, any guy would, you know, was, you know, I mean, guys like. I mean, I like all kinds of women, you know, older women. I've had older women that I've dated and stuff. But, um, I mean, any guy, it's kind of flattering to think that you could, you know, kind of get with a younger chick. You know, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but, um, I mean, that was part of it. And she was just, like I said, she was really cute, is really cute. And, like, a, I mean, it's, like I said, it sounds corny, but, like, really a sweetheart. And um, I just felt like we connected in a lot of ways. And she's artistic. She paints and draws, and you know, I come from the music background, so I felt like I felt like we really uh, clicked. You know. Yeah, I usually, I don't know where this rumor came from that creatives are, or where this this stereotype that creatives are very difficult to date. And I, I, I actually make the joke that I would not date a painter or a musician or some some major creative person because I feel like there will be some sort of clash, um, which is funny because one of my closest friends is actually a creative. Um, so, and you know, we love one another. So how was that for you? Did that come up at all in your relationship? Like being two creatives and, and managing that, what was your relationship like? Yeah, I think there could be some challenges. I mean, not like we, not like there was any friction or that we didn't get along, but it was just, we were both like these, you know, kind of like socialist hippie in our mentality yeah, and, yeah. and wide open. 
can't make decisions and just, you know, <laughs> you know, kind of like floating through life. So, I mean, but it, it worked out well in a lot of ways. Yeah. But I, mean, I, I know what you mean as far as if you're looking for like the economic kind of a thing. I mean, if you're living with someone or something and your boyfriend or girlfriend is a musician or artist, I mean, like, I wish you luck. Cause I mean, it's, it seems like it's hard. It was always hard to make a living doing that kind of stuff, but mm -hmm. it seems like, you know, you're just signing up for a life of poverty. So, but, um, but yeah, no, I just, I felt like she was, I guess part of the attraction was she was kind of like me. She was just kind of maybe a little shy, a little weird in a good way, hopefully. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I just thought like, wow, this is someone who's really pretty cool. Yeah. And that, that thinking extended to when I realized what was going on with the drugs and everything. Um, not that it was a desire to, to save her. It wasn't like that. Like, yeah. But I just thought I wanted to help her save herself. You know, I just, I thought this person, I felt like I took risks with her as far as putting myself in those situations that I wouldn't have done for other people because I just mm. thought, I mean, I'd wish everyone the best, you know, it's not, I wouldn't turn my back on a friend or whatever, but I felt like I really sort of stretched in and put myself in, and I probably shouldn't have done it. I mean, it was really dangerous, but yeah, I just felt like I put myself in situations because I just felt like this person's worth helping. I, I mean, I want to help her help herself, you know? Yeah. So let's, let's talk about that. So take, take me back to the beginning. Like, you met online, you start talking. When did you find out that um, there was an addiction issue and how did you find out? And then what was it like after that? Well, like I said, there were, you know, there were clues from, from the beginning. And like I said, just the fact that she was sort of bouncing around from place to place. And like I said, she had moved up from, this. I met her in July, four years ago. Yeah. And she had lived in Florida, a few a few different times but most recently you know the winter before that i think she had come up back up to central new york you know in december or whatever like the holiday time so yeah. it would be like right now meeting someone and they lived in new york and you know around christmas time and they moved back up here so she was she had been here for six months or whatever and she she wasn't working a regular job really so that was like a kind of a a clue in some ways and she's like bouncing around from like from house to house with friends and uh, I thought that was kind of interesting and you know being a musician and being around music and playing in bands I mean I, I I don't really do any drugs myself I mean I've smoked a little pot yeah. in the old days <laughs> and I tried it again recently like four years ago but it's just I just get so paranoid it's the mm -hmm. worst it's the worst anxiety for me it's terrible yeah you know I play in all these bands and people are smoking pot people are drinking I mean I guess there's some other drug use too so i mean i, I you know i kind of been around that stuff even though i wasn't involved with it right so um you know i'm not a stranger to that so i mean i figured yeah okay maybe she's you know i figured you know and i had met a few of her friends and i thought like maybe these are kind of party girls they must be doing something and whatever but i had no idea that it was i didn't know the extent of it i didn't i had no idea i had no experience with heroin addiction you know or I didn't know anyone that was a heroin addict or I had no I mean I read you know I'm a jazz musician so I read Miles Davis's autobiography mm -hmm. and you know he talked about being a heroin addict and what it yeah. was like in the bands and I know there are a bunch of uh you know legendary jazz musicians who struggled with heroin addiction but what did I know about that I, I had no idea I had no idea what it was or right how serious it was so um but to answer your question yeah I mean I knew from the beginning, well, okay, this maybe there are a few things going on, but my first indication, yeah, another thing I should mention, you know, we would make plans to do something, 
to go to lunch or something and um she would kind of be out of communication for a half a day or a day you know yeah Sleep, sleeping really late and like weird hours and just kind of like vanishing for a while yeah like that i learned that that's that can really be a hallmark of um you know kind of like drug use but i i guess i saw I mean, there were stages that happened incrementally but i guess you know when i had uh picked her up for this lunch date um she was staying with a friend and uh she walks out to the car and she's like can barely like walk her friend is walking her out to the car and she's like and this is a, at noon or one o'clock in the afternoon or something and she's like mm -hmm. totally messed up and i'm just kind of like look you know i mean i i don't judge you know i you know i'm not like gonna yell at her or something but i thought okay this is weird and i kind of said well you know what happened what you do like what's going on and uh she said, well, you know, I don't want you to lose respect for me, but I, I smoked a little crack. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> like I, I didn't know, you know, I, 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 like I said, I, what did I know about crack? You know, I mean, I remember in the 80s, I, I'm older than you are. I'm a lot older than you are. But I remember in the 80s, it was like the just say no to drugs. Right. Stuff. Crack, you know, crack cocaine was the worst thing. I mean, yes. I'm, I'm no advocate of crack. It's terrible. But, um, but it was just, it was, it was, yeah, it was like, so that was the first time I was, knowingly i mean around someone who had done that and uh, yeah it was it was weird so we wound up going out to lunch and oh it kind of, you know it was a she sort of came out of it i mean she was just kind of get, i mean she was like a happy high whatever it was and like i said she's a poly addict so she was always using mixtures of guns mm. but she just it just looked like someone who was really drunk and really happy you know mm -hmm. um, so i mean at that point you know like my friends would tell me and i mean you know, I knew it too, of course. I mean, so I knew what, it, I didn't know about the heroin at that point, but okay, I knew what it was. I knew, I knew what was, I knew that things were going, <laughs> you know, and she, that, like that day, you know, I mean. Yeah. I, and so you said that she was, she just seemed high and happy. Was that always the case when she was on drugs? Did she, was it always that sort of? Uh, no, it wasn't always the case really. Um, but for the most part, I mean, she was really pleasant to be around, but I mean, sometimes she'd get kind of dark and, and a little depressed. Um, when she was doing, she one of her other big drugs was like ecstasy, MDMA. Mm -hmm. And she would, she would shoot that, you know, uh, wow. which is great. I mean, it was crazy. She was shooting everything. And at this point, I didn't realize, I mean, I knew about my first introduction to this was the, you know, the time you know, yeah. she got in the car and she had been smoking crack. So, um, but yeah, she would do, when she would do, uh, when she would shoot Molly, a lot of it apparently is contaminated with meth. Mm. So the meth would be, she would get like paranoid and, and, and it was just really difficult to manage. Um, but yeah, she would just get paranoid and just, uh, and, you know, kind of one, one time she was just sort of like curled up into the fetal position of my car and she's got mm. her feet on the, on the dashboard, on the windshield. Um, and just, yeah, just, just paranoia and, uh, just, I mean, just, she couldn't even really function. It was, uh, so. How long yeah. did you, how, sorry to cut you off. How long did you date for? Well, there were certain, there are different phases. I mean, I, well, I guess just the dating phase would just, would sort of be like, just really the first three or four months, really. I mean, when I, when I, when I realized things were really bad, I sort of just shifted into more of like friend mode, really. Yeah. Because, you know, I mean, just with what was going on and stuff. And I mean, it was, it, you know, it wasn't really, but I really, of course, I really cared about her. So I just sort of like, we were really close friends and I was, we kind of had an agreement, like, you know, I'll help you help yourself get clean or whatever. 
Um, mm -hmm. And I thought I did my part of it. And, you know, she, I, I don't know if she really did her part of it. I mean, it's a, it's a confusing thing because you wind up feeling uh, lied to or upset, but I mean, I'm sure, you know, part of her wanted to get clean. It's a really complicated thing. You know what I mean? It's, it's not that easy to just get right. Clean. But I felt like we had this kind of a agreement, you know, like I'll, I'll help you. You know, we talked about it. Yeah. This was three or four months in, you know, we talked about it. I said, you know, and she made it sound like she wanted to get away from that lifestyle. But um, yeah, it turned out to be a couple of years of real, real craziness. Oh wow! I mean, so you were you were well you you dated for about four months, but remained yeah, in one another's lives for a couple of years. Yeah, and I still talk. I still talk to her all the time. Okay, and and how is she doing now? Well, she got into a methadone program. Okay. So you know she's much better. I mean, I there are some issues with methadone. I mean, I, I don't you know, it, that's if you look into that, it's pretty controversial. Some people say it's a lifesaver. Yeah. Some people say it's just legal heroin and right. turns you into a zombie and but maybe the truth is somewhere in the middle. I mean, for someone in her, uh, for someone in, uh, with her level of addiction, I think it, it definitely did help. I mean, it took away the, the craziness and it made her at least stable, you know, and she's not using any drugs on top of that, really. She's been, you know, clean of street drugs for two years. Had, had you two ever spoken about her life and how she sort of got involved in drugs like was that something was it was addiction something that sort of she grew up around or like what was her life like it was great I mean it was you know by all accounts it just seemed ideal really her parents were upper middle class um they had a nice house a little north of Syracuse um in a little village yeah she had a you know a normal life from, from what I understand. But I was really interested in that question too. Like what, 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 what went wrong? Like, how do you get to this place? Yeah. I could never understand it. I mean, but you, know, she talked about being in a uh, kind of a bad relationship with uh, a boyfriend like, at, at the end of high school. I think they went to high school together and then they dated after high school. She moved to Florida with him. She talked about smoking pot with him and later turned to doing pain pills. And then she talked about, she felt like that was the only time that she could really bond with him. Mm. drugs and stuff so um yeah but when she was growing up i think she it seemed like she had a pretty normal life i mean it's not, i guess it's not perfect for anybody but i mean right. it, it did, like i mean i think she was well liked in high school and by from what i understand and you know she was an athlete i think she did gymnastics and played lacrosse and stuff and, right there's always something right and sometimes yeah. we, don't, we don't even know until we sure. are deep in it. So I'm happy to hear that she's doing better. I wish that, you know, I hope that it only gets better for her from here on out. But it, during your relationship, how did you feel? Um, well, yeah, it's, you go through all kinds of feelings with, you know, really violent swings between, you know, like different emotions and stuff. Um, I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, it, it's it really, I mean, I was just all over the place just with how I felt about things. I mean, there were times when I was really mad and to the point where I just wanted to just bail out and almost go through uh, periods of anger and, you know, kind of questioning what you were doing. And yeah, I mean, I guess it, it was just all over the place with what I felt really. <laughs> yeah. It was, uh, it's just hard to be objective. It's just hard. You get sucked into this world and, um, and you just, I, I just couldn't really see clearly. And uh, like I said, in, going into it, I had no idea. I just thought, okay, you're addicted to heroin. 
you go to rehab and you come out and it's over. You know, I mean, I had no idea that it was, I had no idea about the statistics with rehab and you know, how many people don't really make it yeah. as far as getting clean and, and how it's a lifelong struggle. And I just had no idea. What were you, what were you attached to about her that made you stay once you realized that she was struggling with addiction? Um, I don't know. I, I think at the time things were not, um, I don't know. I wasn't where I wanted to be in life and mm-hmm. I was kind of bummed out. You know, music was always my passion. It's great and everything, but it's harder and harder to make living at it. And I just felt like yeah, everything kind of sucked for me. And I thought like, if I could just help her, you know, that would spill over into helping myself yeah. too. It would just mm-hmm. be such a great thing. Yeah. And uh, yeah, of course I really cared about her. I just could never understand how, why she would choose that lifestyle over a more conventional lifestyle because she had great parents and just a great support system. And I always wanted her to go back to some kind of a conventional life, you know? Yeah. But again, yeah, you know, when you're in it, it's very tough. I, I yeah. feel like after, so, I mean, I, I've been fortunate enough not to struggle with any sort of addiction. I, I feel like at a certain point, it, it, it probably feels like it's not a choice. Uh, for the people who are deep in it. Uh, sure, so I hear, sure. I hear what you're saying and I, can, I can't even imagine what it must be like to go, to be the person dealing with addiction and going through that um, and feeling like, you know, there is no, no way out. Um, yeah. So uh, when, we, when we started, when you and I started co- corresponding, you mentioned that you felt like you became sort of an enabler. Talk to me about that, describe that. What makes you feel uh. like- well, you know, there are different schools of thought on that. Um, I should say, I, you know, I don't beat myself up about it too much, really. Yeah. But, I mean, I did things that were uh, maybe some people wouldn't agree with. I mean, I, I, but it's, 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 it's who can really say, if I could do it again over, I would definitely do it differently. But, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, I, I you know, I, got, I was uh, in situations where I was taking her to get drugs. I was mm-hmm. buying, and it turned into me buying needles at the pharmacy and stuff. Wow. <laughs> you know? I mean, it's, it's crazy, it, but it, yeah. again, it happened, like incrementally, you know, so it was, and then you're just in these impossible situations. Like, um, you know, she would, uh, I can't, the first one was maybe like, she was supposed to go to rehab and it fell through, but I didn't know it at the time. I mean, I guess no one knew it. She was going to go to rehab. Maybe she knew, maybe she wasn't serious about it, but it's like, she was staying with her parents. She was going to go to rehab the next day or find out about it. And this was when I really didn't know about, I, this was after the crack episode, but I didn't really know about the heroin thing, the opiate mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. So she said, oh, I, can you take me to this? It was in a bad neighborhood too. It was the north side of Syracuse. She mm-hmm. said, can you take me to this place? I just have to get something. I, I don't want to be sick. I'm going to stay at my parents' house. I can't be sick. And I'm thinking like, oh my God. Like, you know, but then you think, okay, there's some hope on the horizon. She's going to rehab. She's, you know, I, maybe what I'm doing is not, the best thing but okay like it you know so I wind up taking her to this funky part of town and she goes out and gets drugs and then she goes to her parents house and then rehab the next day falls through and she kind of vanishes again for a couple days but and then but by the end of it it was just you know me I mean I felt like um I mean I felt like an embedded journalist you know like in the uh like I was undercover I mean I you know I wasn't at that that, that time I had no idea that I would want to write a book about it yeah I got in writing more uh i was interested in writing when i was younger but i uh, was doing a blog about music and i was writing and i thought 
well, what if I had some better material to write about? And I thought like, wow, I just lived this story that I thought mm -hmm. I think was maybe pretty interesting. So I, I sort of transitioned to that. But getting back to my point, I mean, I felt like I was like an undercover, like an embedded journalist. You go undercover or, or you, you get embedded with a, some kind of like a, an army unit or something. And you're like in the battle, you're not participating in it, but right. you're there. I was doing, I mean, it was, I was doing everything they were doing except the drugs. Right. So I'm, doing, I'm driving the drug bus, you know, I'm driving the, I'm going to, driving to drive. I'm in the middle of drug deals. I'm buying needles. Mm. I'm in hotel rooms where, you know, multiple people are shooting drugs. I mean, it just was, you know, crazy. And was that, it, that, was that related to you feeling like you wanted to quote unquote help her so that you could feel better about your life at the time? Or like, where did that come from? Like, what drove you to the point well, of get helping her get some of these things? Well, I mean, it started out with help, of course. And that was, that was part of it. I mean, that was ultimately, that was, yeah, the impetus. Of course, I wanted to help. But then I think it became like, okay, you really, it became this thing where, okay, you really care about this person. You want to know what's going on. Mm. If she's out there without me, like, I don't know what's going on. I'm worried. So it's almost like as, as much as it was, you know, difficult to be around, it was almost like, okay, I've got to, I got to know what's going on. I've got to know what's going on. Did you feel like you were um, in some ways sort of protecting her or would be able to protect her if you were with her? Yeah, in a sense. I mean, I mean, not that I was going to take on any drug dealers in a, in a fist fight or anything, but, <laughs> but it was, it was never funny because it was never really like that anyway. Yeah. I mean, one guy that was kind of creepy and he did scare me a little bit and, mm -hmm. but I mean, not like, I mean, just, no, he didn't say anything. I mean, there was, but, but it was mostly just, you know, people her age and just people who were just kind of like, um, I don't know, just sort of like misfits in life. And I, I don't say that in a, in a bad way because I feel like I'm a misfit in a lot of ways too, yeah. you know? Mm -hmm. But these people who were just, it wasn't like your stereotypical idea of the evil drug dealer or whatever. I mean, I'm sure some of them weren't great, but it, it wasn't that black and white. I mean, they were yeah. just people too. And I mean, I have to say that, I got to know some of those people and it, it would be so much easier to say, oh, I, I, this person, like I said, this person is evil or I hate this guy. This, this person is what, you know, the bad drug dealer, but it was much more uh, nuanced than that really. So, um, but uh, yeah, I can't remember your original question, but. <laughs> no, you answered it. I was asking. Oh, to, protect, to protect her, to protect her. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I was asking about like how you got involved and in, in, like, yeah. you know, being with her and, and buying things for her. Um, I wish I knew more, honestly, about um, drug abuse and different statistics for different areas. How how is Syracuse? Do you like? It seems like you also have done more reading after your experience, and it seems like you you started to dig more into your learning around drug abuse and addiction since your experience. Do you know anything about um, Syracuse statistics or anything like that? Well, I mean, I think it sort of really coincides with, I mean, the economic statistics in Syracuse are pretty bleak. Yeah. I mean, it's just a Rust Belt town. I mean, um, like a lot of these towns in the Northeast and all over the country, um, manufacturing was big in previous decades. You know, there were, right. even when I was uh, younger, you know, in the 80s, there were car manufacturing places. I mean, just within two or three miles from my house, there were thousands of really good paying manufacturing jobs. There was a carrier corporation. Um, there were um, car plants and stuff. I mean, really like right down the road. Um, I'm in a residential neighborhood, but in, not far from here at all. Yeah. And uh, so you can make a living and it was, 
you know, it's much, it's much easier to have like a kind of a middle class existence, even without any higher education, really. So, and that's all gone. I mean, I, I, the, the statistics on poverty in Syracuse, I, I don't know what they are exactly, but they're bad. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's bad. I mean, it's, um, I can't quote exact figures, but it's, it's, we have a really high poverty rate. Mm. So, I mean, I think that that really goes along with like the, like, you know, lack of economic opportunity. Uh, um, it really leads to, you know, people feeling hope. And again, I'm not condoning it. I mean, I, it's just, it's, it's, uh, I think it's like, that's one of the drivers of addiction, really. People yeah. feel hope. Yeah. And, and even, even, um, she had everything going for her, really. She was beautiful. She was smart and stuff. But I think she just felt like she had worked at um, UPS and she worked at, uh, she had worked at a Starbucks and stuff. But um, yeah. those are like these corporate, uh, just these zombie robot jobs, you know I mean? And then they're building an Amazon warehouse here. Yeah. I think people are like touting it like, okay, this is going to be a good thing for the economy. But I mean, really? I mean, I... Um, I mean, not to get into that too much, you know, but my feelings are, it's just, you know, you're working at those places, you're, you're just kind of a robot, really, you're not really being treated well, you're not making much money. And I think this Amazon warehouse is going to start people at a dollar or two, it's a dollar or two dollars more than McDonald's. So I mean, as far as like, you know, where are you really going to go on that? Um, and it's interesting. I mean, I know a little bit about the statistics. I know the opiate epidemic is really bad and in places like West Virginia, and I mean, it's, it seems like really it kind of goes along with these these areas that are just um, really kind of dying economically, you know. Yeah. Um, and we have Syracuse University here. We have some hospitals and stuff, but it's basically, I mean, I hate to knock Syracuse. I mean, I'm sure it's a it's still a great town in a lot of ways, but it's just really, I mean, economically, there's not that much happening. So, um, right. you know, I think it's a uh, that's you know that's really uh that's a big factor i mean even if people don't articulate it that way it's just this like hopelessness of feeling like you know like uh, there's no you know there's no um chance of really having a shot at the so-called american dream or whatever you want to call it i mean it's it's just not working for most people right did you did you date after being with her uh i mean not like in the traditional sense no i mean it, it kind of like I was sort of stalled after that. Like I was in this weird limbo position, uh, uh, like uh, still, I mean, I was still kind of a fixated, not fixated. What was the, what's the word? Just still really involved with that, yeah. with her situation and maybe not ready to move on or something. Uh, so yeah, it was definitely really uh, draining in a lot of ways, but yeah. I mean, it was sort of uh, inspiring and invigorating in ways too, but I mean, I don't think my story is really that unique. I mean, I think anyone would tell you if they were in a relationship with a, an alcoholic or a drug user or whatever. I mean, heroin's got to be one of the worst. I mean, it's just, mm -hmm. you know, you get sucked into that kind of world and you just, it's just, uh, it's just really hard to um, not get just lost in that and really just totally uh, wrapped up in it. Have you done anything to... Um sort of set yourself on a track to healing or mourning that relation, healing from or mourning that relationship? Because that, that I imagine, you know, there's, it sounds like codependency is tied into that. And there are a lot of 
I'm, I'm sure different feelings, and you expressed having different feelings and having to have um, dealt with a lot of things in that relationship. Have you done anything for yourself since that experience to sort of mentally readjust to a different place? I don't know. I, do you get what I'm trying to ask? <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. Um, like I said, I hit the liquor store before the show, so I try to hit the liquor store a couple times a week. But that, that, oh, no. Oh, no. That helped. <laughs> I hope it's not an alcohol problem. I hope it has turned into that. No, it's it's definitely not. But okay. um, but I mean, I think to answer your question, I mean, I uh, I think I've gotten to a, a much better place. I really, I mean, I think I'm over the majority of my anger about it and stuff. Really, and we're friends. We're good friends. I saw her earlier today. We hung out. Yeah. Okay. So, but no, I mean, for a while there was this residual anger. It was it would flare up and just. It was horrible, really. Um, just feeling like, well, I did, you know, I did what I was supposed to do. I put myself in all these messed up situations and like, you didn't do what you were supposed to do and you lied to me or whatever. But it, it, it was, it's, I guess it's really, it's much more complicated than that. I mean, I'm not like condoning, I'm not giving her a pass on everything, but right. um, it wasn't just, well, I guess it wasn't that simple, really. Yeah, no, it doesn't seem like it. So what is your friendship like now? It's pretty good. I'm, it's, I think it's really, it's good, you know? Um, Describe it to me. What is, what is your friendship? Like? Uh, I see a couple times a week. We go for walks. We, we hang out. Um, and it's, it's, it's part like, I mean, I just sort of feel like a family member, you know? I mean, mm -hmm. she's doing well, you know? I mean, she's not where I wanted her to be. I wanted her really, I wanted her to get off the methadone and really kind of recultivate some kind of a normal life. She's still not really doing i mean she's part of the way but and it's sad because you you wonder if she'll ever really be i mean what is normal i mean i'm certainly not normal but mm -hmm. i wonder if she'll ever even be in the realm of kind of like approaching something like what people think is normal or whatever right right hmm. but so, yeah things things now are, are good i mean it's it's good i mean i'm glad we stayed friends yeah and if i can write a book about it I, like i said which was never my intention but i, I think it's I think it's kind of a good story because um, we were talking on the phone about it. And I think a lot has been written about heroin addiction from the point of view of the addict who's doing it. But from my point of view, from the point of view of the, of the friend or loved one or whatever, the boyfriend or whatever, who's trying to help, you see it really differently. I mean, if, I don't think if she could see it the way I see it, just from my perspective, it, it would be, I think it would be sort of eye-opening for her and just, just the same, it's just, the same way that I can't, I couldn't see it from her perspective, really. Yeah. That would be impossible. But I had this unique perspective, I think, of just being there and seeing all the stuff that was happening. I wasn't doing any drugs, you know, I was completely sober and just seeing all the stuff that was going on. It's just, it's kind of interesting to me, I, I think. I mean, I think it is an interesting story. And um, I think there's, a, you know, I hope it doesn't sound too serious. I mean, I, it is serious, but there was a lot of absurdity and like a lot of humor to it, too. I mean, dark humor, I think that. Yeah. Was there, was there too? I mean, it was crazy. And then some of the stuff that happened, some of the encounters with the cops, and just mm. uh, it was really. And I think you know, to go back to maybe a question you had asked earlier. I mean, or a variation of it. Uh, I think you know, in a weird way, part of me was, of course, I was there to help, and I, I really cared about her. But I think for someone who, not that I've lived a super sheltered life or anything, I really haven't. But I mean, maybe part of me was just trying to test myself and. and 
to see if I could really hang out with like heroin addicts and like, mm -hmm. I mean, why, why would you ever want to do that really? But maybe part of me was just thinking like, wow, am I really in some perverse way? And like, well, maybe I'm hardcore enough to like be hanging with these people. And mm. I that I was doing the drugs. Yeah. You, you know, like, I get what you're saying. It's interesting though, when you used to, because you know, I, I would consider that too, like just maybe previously I would be like, this is really hardcore stuff that I am witnessing but when I think about how you say, you know, you meet these people, there are a lot of things happening in the environment around them that might be causing some sort of depression and making them feel certain ways about themselves and their lives. It's not hardcore. It's actually pretty um, sad. It yeah. is, you know, like it's not, it, it's not this sort of, all right, I'm going to go to a party. I'm going to rage once and I'll have a story to tell after. It's like, I'm in this deep, dark sort of space in my life. And this is how I'm trying to cope with yeah. that. I mean, and, and not to knock or give credit to drug abusers, but that is, it, yeah. it's hardcore in the sense of like having to deal with that and being able to survive that and continue to move forward in your life from that, um, if, if that is the case. So yeah, I mean, I don't know, I have, I have a lot of thoughts floating in my head around what it's like. Um, but anyway, thank you for, for sharing. Um, well, anyway, thank you. I, you know, I told you I usually do this game, but I'll hold off on the game because I like, I like how this has gone. And I feel like the game okay. would make it a little. <laughs> okay. I mean, we can play it if you want. Would, are you interested? It's up totally up to you. You make the call. Let's do it, and then I'll listen to this back, and we'll see how okay. it how it sounds. So, how familiar do you are you with pop culture? I mean, I I, I know a little bit. I'm I'm bad with celebrities now. Like I'm. Oh yeah, There's, it's 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 all you know, like current celebrities. So, do you have your phone or something with you so you can Google some of these people? Um, I, I've got I've got this phone. If you can see it. I can't. Okay, awesome. So, can, oh wait, can no. you? Can I you love it. It's a this flip phone. I love it. You can, do you, but if you have the internet or no, you can't access. I, I don't have the internet on my. Okay, got it. Well, All yeah, right, so, so try, try, try me. Maybe I'll know. All right, something. I'll try you. All right, do you want to do women only? Uh, sure, yeah, sure. Okay, let me try you. So the game is sex, marry, kill. I'm gonna give you three names. You tell me who you would have sex with, who you would marry, and who you would kill. Okay. I'm gonna to try to get you some big names so that it's not too difficult. Okay. To Good. <laughs> um, okay, your first three. Halle Berry, do you know who that is? Oh yeah, sure, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mariah Carey. Okay. And Julia Roberts. Oh man, that's tough. I mean, I would marry them all, oh my God. <laughs> you have to choose. Okay. Ooh, I mean, that's, that's really tough. I mean, I, I'd probably have to kill Mariah Carey, I guess. I mean, but now it's like a tie between, I mean, uh, I don't know. That's really, it's tough. Um, uh, okay. I, I, yeah, I mean, uh, I'd sleep with, uh, I'd sleep with Holly Berry and then I'd, uh, I'd marry Julia Roberts. Like, uh, okay. Yeah, I, would <laughs> I don't actually... know, I, but I, it could be easily be the other way around. I could easily. You, marry... you, you selected the way I would have. I would sleep with Holly Berry, kill Mariah Carey, and, and marry Julia Roberts. 
Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. hopefully that doesn't make Yeah, Mariah Carey, like, she doesn't really do it. I mean, she's, she's not, I mean, you know, she's lovely and everything, but, you know. I feel like she might annoy me. Um, okay. Oprah, Meryl Streep, and Michelle Obama. Uh, you know, I, I like Oprah. I mean, I, I kind of think Oprah's sexy. I mean, I've always said that. I mean, I really do. Really? Yeah, I mean, I, I think she is. And, um, okay, so Michelle Obama, I'm uh, not really a, not a big fan. I, I'd have to kill her, I think. Uh, <laughs> That's and, the first uh, time I've heard that. Yeah, I think I'd have to sleep with Oprah. Or no, I'd have to marry Oprah. Ooh, and then I'd have to sleep with Meryl Streep. Okay, wait a minute. Well, <laughs> if I married Meryl Streep, I wouldn't have to like sleep with her, right? I mean, I'd just have to marry her, right? Yeah, I'm sure, if that's the sort of marriage. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather marry Oprah. I, I like Oprah. I mean, she's smart and she's got money. I think she's such, such a, you know, what she did with her show is just like, it was amazing, really. I mean, her book club and everything. I don't think there'll ever be like anyone like that in our lifetime, really. I mean, right. So you're going to marry Oprah? Yes. You're sleeping with Meryl and you're killing my fave, Michelle Obama. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, <laughs> yeah I mean, I'm not, I'm not anti-Democrat either. I mean, I, I you know, yeah. I'm sort of independent. I'm kind of like an anarchist politically, yeah. really, you know? Um, so it's not like politically motivated. Right. Okay, what about Madonna, Sandra Bullock, Whoopi Goldberg? Oh, okay. Uh, well, that's tough too. Um, I mean, I, I like Whoopi. I mean, I'm not really like attracted to her in that way. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't want to kill her, but I mean, okay, I, I'll kill Whoopi. I will... Uh, uh, Oh, who are the, uh, and then it was Sandra Bullock, and who was the other one? Madonna. Ooh. You know, I could kill Madonna, too, though. She's a um... <laughs> Yeah, I think I'd kill Madonna. But, well, no, that'll make it, that'll make it tough, because I'd have to marry or sleep with Whoopi. I mean, she doesn't do it for me like that. <laughs> so, I, yeah, we gotta kill her, and then uh, I'll sleep with, I'll sleep with Madonna, and then marry Sandra Bullock. Okay, that, that, okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right, and then your final three. Um, we've got Jennifer Lopez, we've got Ellen DeGeneres, and we've got Beyonce. Ooh, okay. Yeah, I think I think we'd have to kill Ellen. Um, she's gotten some bad press too. Have you read about some of the stuff? No. What's it? What's I that think just a few headlines. I don't know. I think she. They say she didn't treat some of her staff that well, or something, or she was. Oh, I actually. You know what? That's so funny. Wasn't and that the gist of it? In my podcast with my friend Chris, he says the same thing when we are doing this and she comes up. Yeah. Okay, so you're killing Ellen. Yeah, yeah, that's an easy one. Um, I'm, I'm, I've got nothing against her. I'm sure she's lovely, but yeah, she she has to go. We got to kill her. Um, <laughs> and then well, who are the other ones again? Uh, Beyonce and Jennifer Lopez. Ooh, I mean, well, I, I'd probably sleep with Jennifer Lopez and marry Beyonce. <laughs> Final answer? Yes, definitely. All right, awesome. Thank you for playing. Now I have a little peek. It's always so interesting to hear people's selections and how they differ from my from my own. Um, I think, I, you know what, though? We would have, on that last one too, I don't remember the others, I definitely would have gone the same way. I would have married Beyonce, slept with Jennifer Lopez, and killed off Ellen. Yeah. So I feel like you and I have similar tastes. <laughs> At least yeah, in this game. I'll, I'll be your wingman some night. We got to go yes. out and, uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, meet some people. 
when I decide to give up on men and I want to chase women celebrities, I know who to call to be my wingman. <laughs> anytime, anytime. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Henry. It was a pleasure speaking with you and meeting you. Thanks so much. You too. Take care. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thanks for checking out this week's episode. Don't forget to follow the show on Instagram at Deliberdating. Thank you.